Hello, Internet, and welcome to another episode of Geek Fanthology. I'm writing solo today, and I'm Neil Cordray. Um, and, and due to some scheduling issues, we couldn't get the whole gang together to do an episode. Uh, so I thought, instead, uh, we'd do something that the Internet always seems to love, which is a top ten uh, so I thought today I would talk about my t- personal top 10 favorite movies. Um, just sort of give you an idea of me and my likes, etc. Go into detail on all of them. Um, no real rules for this mo- for this uh, list other than I have to have seen the movie in order to like it. So I'm not limiting myself by anything really um and in fact my top my number 10 entry is a cheat uh so just heads up right away uh so yeah we'll go ahead and just get started number 10 uh so at my number 10 slot i actually have three movies Uh, and the reason for that is because they are a trilogy And no, they're not Star Wars. Um, I do love the Star Wars movies deeply, but they really wouldn't... None of them would ever really hit my top ten favorite movies, which I know Wookiee would find to be blasphemous, but this is my list, not his. Um, My top ten... My number ten is the uh, the Oceans trilogy. Uh, The remake of Oceans 11, then Oceans 12, and Oceans 13. Uh, because they are all really good, but they're all good for very different reasons, and it's really hard to pick which one of them is my favorite. Um, I've always been a sucker for uh, for heist movies, for con game movies, shows. I really love Leverage and Burn Notice, and uh, we'll get to another movie on my list here that also runs into a very similar style. I love the genre in general, and the combination of all of the actors, you know, with, uh, and now I proved that how, just how much I rely on everyone else, I am going to go to the internet to get the cast lists, because I don't do cast lists, and now you get to hear my loud-ass keyboard, because I type on a mechanical. (laughs) That's right. So, um... You know, the whole big cast list, you know, uh, Clooney, um, Bernie Mac, Brad Pitt, uh, the, the, everyone, um, including, you know, less known people like Casey Affleck and Scott Can, the, the Malloy twins. The whole thing is just a, it's a great movie. I love, uh, and, and this is, I'm just talking about Eleven to start. I really love the whole getting the the band together and doing the gig and the twists and the turns that I'm not going to spoil because those are spoilers. In fact, the whole movie has, the whole movie, all three of the movies, the whole movie. Yeah, I'm not scripted. Uh, <laughs> all three of the movies have this always have twists and turns and things you were not expecting and and that's my phone um totally unprepared i'm usually much more professional than this uh (laughs) in any case i i really love the 
the Oceans movies. I heartily recommend them. Anyone who likes, you know, who likes that genre, it is a very, they are very good uh, instance of the genre. Number nine. Uh, For my ninth most favorite movie, um, and this list was damn hard to do um, above number five, my top five favorite movies pretty much never change. My top ten, my my five after that change all the flippin' time. Should have really probably just made this a top five, but everybody loves top tens! Yay! Um, so what I came up with for my number nine um, was uh, the movie The Newsies. Um, it's a live-action movie that you may or may not know of. I want to say it was Christian Bale's first uh, major U.S. role, and it's about a strike of newsboys, and it's a musical. It's a Disney live-action musical. Um, it's the only Disney movie, Disney movie on this list, by the way. Um, at some point, maybe I could do a top 10 Disney movies, because I do like Disney movies, but they don't make my top 10s, and Newsies is really kind of another, it's a reach, Not, not necessarily a cheat, but a reach. Uh, the main reason I have this one at number nine instead of the Oceans Trilogy at number ten is because the Oceans Trilogy is a complete cheat um, as opposed to anything else. And I do have some other movies on here that I didn't that I didn't want to just muscle out with three movies. So um, I, I, I like it because I really like I like period pieces and I like musicals. I'm uh, my background is in theater, um, light and sound mostly. so. I've got a very special sabbat for anything that really could be a Broadway musical. And in fact, Newsies was turned into a Broadway musical uh, at one point. And it's just a great, it, it's, it's great. Number eight. Um, in my number eight spot, I have The Court Jester, which is my grandfather's favorite movie, at least to the best of my knowledge. Uh, it is a movie... Featuring Danny Kaye of you know, White Christmas fame primarily. Well, mostly a fame of White Christmas and, uh, well, The Court Jester. He was also with the Inspector General in a couple other movies. But these are the ones that, he, that he's best known for, really. At least to my knowledge. It's, a, it's an older movie. Uh, you're going to find that, a, that many of my f- favorite movies are older movies. Uh, at least, well, three of two of them. Shut up. Anyhow. Uh, <laughs> Squeaky chair. Court Jester is a comedic take on sort of the Robin Hood... Uh, the, the Robin Hood myth. And it has one of, one of my favorite gags, which is, of course, that the vessel with the pestle has the... Uh, see, I can't even do it. It's... Uh, Sorry. The pellet with the poisons and the vessel with the pestle, the chalice from the palace is the brew that is true. Except then they break the chalice from the palace, and they have to replace it with a flagon, with the figure of a dragon. And you have to wonder, is the pellet with the poison and the vessel with the pestle, or is the vessel or the pellet with the poison and the flagon with the dragon? And in this particular case, the pellet with the poison ends up in the flagon with the dragon, and the and the vessel from the pe- with the pestle has the brew that is true. It's really hard to say, and that's the whole thing. You have these two guys in, you know, big knight gear about to fight to the death, 
and there's a witch who's poisoned the wine that they're going to drink in a celebratory toast before the thing. And both these characters, um, Danny Kaye and the guy who plays uh, Sir Griswold of McElwain, because I can remember character names just fine, but never actor names, um, are just completely stumbling over this little tongue twister. And it's just, it's just a laugh riot, and I love it. Number seven. At number seven, I have uh, Spirited Away uh, by Hayao Miyazaki. I adore pretty much all Studio Ghibli films I've ever seen. But Spirited Away is the only one that has made me cry. Uh, it just is so moving and so happy. Very few movies can actually make me cry. Um I'm kind of an emotionless husk sometimes when it comes to uh, when it comes to media. Media really, really, really has to be moving in order for it to it elicit too much of, too strong of a, of a emotional response from me because I am always somewhat aware of the fact that I am consuming media. That, you know, these are not real people. This is not, and even more so, Spirited Away is animated. Um, and it's just so great, and 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 the the train ride scene is just hard to describe, and and poignant, and moving, and nothing gets said, and and everyone has their you know their own theories about what's going on with the train ride scene because no one really knows. Um, my personal theory is that, that is the that's the train to the to the to the afterlife to the other world the phantom train. Um, that's why you always get these spectral beings getting on and getting off. Um, perhaps also something to do with the cycle of reincarnation because you know Japanese. Um, and it's just it's just great. I love it. Um, I highly recommend seeing any Studio uh, Ghibli film you can. But now that I think about it, my favorite one's actually Princess Mononoke, and I don't know why I put Spirited Away on this list, but that's... But we talked about Spirited Away. Honestly, check out any uh, Studio Ghibli film you can. They are worth it. They're always worth it. Now... Some people might be yelling at their screen saying, what about Grave of the Fireflies? Didn't you cry at that? Of course I fucking cried during Grave of the Fireflies. I'm not a monster. But it's not my favorite movie. <laughs> number six. At number six, we have Remember the Titans. Um, most of the movies that are on my favorites list are... Movies that um, are there because I love the genre in general, and it is my favorite instance of the genre. I, I, I really love movies. And Remember the Titans is, at its core, yes, it's about, you know, it is, sure, about, you know, racism in the Deep South. It's a historical fiction it um and you know how 
this group of people got together and, you know, and, you know, beat racism. But it's also about underdogs and sports and it's slice of life and it's not it's not nearly as underdog sports formulaic as say the bad news bears or the mighty ducks or something along those lines but it still kind of still falls into the same general uh area but also manages to be poignant in its own right which is what i love about it um and it's just it's just really great <laughs> a lot I, i'm not going to have much to say really other than man these movies are great you should really go see them at least until we get up to like my three or four so we're nearly there my top three i have a lot a lot a lot more to say but uh we'll get to those uh but yeah remember the titans great movie if you haven't seen it you should uh, Denzel Washington puts in a fantastic performance. Everyone puts in a fantastic performance. Um, and it's actually the movie that kind of sold me on Denzel before I saw a bunch of other movies that he was in because I was younger at the time. So, yeah. Number five. At number five, I have Open Range, uh, the, it, which is actually a more recent movie. Um, of all of these, it's, I think, the most recently made. At least all the one. In fact, I think it might be the most recently made movie on my list. Open Range is, uh, it's a Western. Uh, which stars Robert Duvall and Kevin Costner, who are both, uh, well, let's face it, Robert Duvall probably is a cowboy. Um, <laughs> and Kevin Costner, I think... Is at least I feel like I, I feel like a lot of people when I talk when I when I talk about actors that I really like, I mentioned Kevin Costner, and a lot of people actually for some reason come back with saying, Yeah, he's not all that good. But I think the main reason they think that is because he's not at all, all that good a director. Um I I'm actually one of the few people that really liked the postman, but I totally agree that the first ten hours were too long. Um <laughs> And, or they're looking at him in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where he does a good job. He is a, he, he does good, but you can only do so much with that script. And the, the movie, you know, for what it was, was really well made for what it was, but it was never going to be all that good because of the writing. And... Because of to the certain to a certain extent the direction, that movie was as good as it was despite better efforts by the production staff. Because Alan Rickman and Morgan Freeman and Kevin Costner did well in their roles. Um, but back to Open Range, it it is if 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 you're going to see one western, if you're only ever going to see one western, see. The Seven Samurai. Um, I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah, Seven Samurai. The Magnificent Seven. Um, either iteration, although I would honestly say the original iteration is slightly better. Um, but both of them are really good. If you're going to see two, see uh, The Magnificent Seven and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. 
if you're going to see three, make sure you also see uh, open range. Because, you know, and, and, and <laughs> to explain what I mean by that, I think that sort of quantifiably, the good and the bad, the ugly, and Magnificent Seven are both, or technically all three, better movies than open range. But I like open range more. And part of that is nostalgia. Um, my dad took me to see open range. He kind of dragged me to it. He was convinced I was going to like it. I was convinced I was not, because at the time I didn't realize I liked westerns. Um, he was right. My dad was. My dad has never actually been wrong about making me go see movies with him. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, except and so far, I don't think I've been wrong about making him go see movies with me. And when I convinced he will actually like it we went and saw Gran Torino together and uh, I remember him coming out and saying that he really liked that uh, so yeah open range oh and the other thing I really love about it is how realistic it is and that giant it, you don't realize how long it is it's a, like a 45 minute gunfight uh, at the end of the movie it's like the second half of the movie, but you don't realize just how damn long it is because it because it just is so well shot and so well done and all that. Um, but uh, I love the way it starts. <laughs> You've got this one guy who's supposed to be this complete badass gunfighter, and Kevin Costner goes up to him and says, "You're the one who killed my friend." He's like, "That's right." And Kevin Costner just shoots him right in the head, and that's the start of the thing. And, yeah, spoilers, whatever, fuck it, it's a 10-year-old movie? None of these movies that, I ha that, that I'm listing here uh, deserve spoiler tags. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, just, and, and the writing's good, and yeah. Kevin Costner, like him as an actor. Dances with Wolves is really good. Um, not on my list. Anyhow, number four. At my number four slot, we have Duck Soup, uh, the Marx Brothers opus. I... Uh, I know more about the... Uh, <laughs> about the career of the Marx Brothers and about the Marx Brothers and especially Groucho Marx than I know of anything else. By the way, his real name was Arthur. There you go. That's a thing. Um, I have read about five different biographies of the man um, and a few biographies of their um, the, of, of, of the Marx Brothers in general, their rise to prominence and their work on the vaudeville circuit and how they got discovered and everything along those lines. And Duck Soup is my favorite of their movies, and I've seen them all. Yes, that includes Go West and A Night in Casablanca and, and uh, what is it, Love Happy or Make Happy? The one that all, three of that, that all three of the main Marx Brothers are in, but it's not a Marx Brothers movie because at that point they had kind of broken up as a triple act and Groucho had been doing his own thing with You Bet Your Life and all that stuff, but they came together because Chico had money problems and I can go on. 
Uh, <laughs> but Night in Casablanca also was about Chico having money problems because Chico had money problems. But that's also beside the point. Um, and yes, it's Chico, not Chico. He chased the chicks. That was that was the joke. Uh, Duck Soup is, by my reckoning, the best of their movies, and my favorite. Now, not that you could really go bad with any of them, except for the one that they weren't really in. Like I said, um, and it's just. It's funny, it's quotable. I could dance with you until the cows come home. And second thought, I'd rather dance with, you, with the cows until you came home. Um. <laughs> and it has the mirror routine. The mirror routine um, is a sight gag. It's done entirely silently where two people pretend where, where two people who are dressed exactly the same one is disguised as the other um they mirror each other's actions because it's supposed to be a big old mirror but one of them's broken it and they're being sneaky because they're because one of them is a spy and it has this scene that i have in fact stolen for uh, like it, ha it has so many things, including one move that I have outright stolen for a uh, for a few uh, student projects I've had, where there was a call for a mirror for, for mirrored action, and that is where one person spins around and one person just doesn't, um, but they both end on the same pose. So it so it looks it looks great from from the audience. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> This would be better, I'm sure, with visual media. I'm sorry. Um, if I if I could do video editing, I, I I suck at video editing. I'm sorry, but yeah, um, Duck Soup, great movie. Number three, The Sting. Oh, The Sting. Um. The last three movies on my list, um, they all really, really hardly, like, for the longest time, they would all vie, and this is me being unprofessional again, I gotta see a thing on my desk, I need to move, um, all of them really vie for my spot as of my favorite movie. Um, or at least they did until my number one movie gets here, in which case, like, it's going to be damn hard to beat that one. Um, we'll get to that in a second. I think I've mentioned it a couple times in the podcast before, but we'll get to it. But The Sting, um, Robert Redford and Paul Newman and a bunch of other people. But Robert Redford and Paul Newman. Um, and it's a con movie. It's about this big old con job, but then also revenge. Uh, like I said with the Oceans movies, I am a sucker for a con movie. Um, as long as the person who, you know, as long as the person that's getting conned deserves it, which they always do because this is 
stories and we want to have good guys and not bad guys because con artists are thieves and bad people. But it's okay if they're screwing other over if they're screwing over other bad people. That that's why it allows us to have our our vicarious thrill of experiencing this crime and getting to root for someone doing something that is actually really horrible. Um, and, and I just love it. Um, there is an, if you've seen the movie, you know, everyone, they always knock the same way. It's which may or may not have picked up on the microphone. I'll try and do that one more time. Uh, it's one followed by two short knocks or two short followed by one knock. That is how I knock now because I love this movie so damn much. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a really subtle thing that that you know only the the only the con men do it. It's like their own little secret uh, gesture. That also is like pressing a finger to the side of your nose, which I just did, but no one saw because this isn't a visual medium. This is audio, Neil. Damn it, Neil! This is audio. Get your shit together. I'm um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> if you couldn't tell, I'm doing this all off the cuff, so it's. Might be a little bit not as good as an, an episode as uh, other ones. I do apologize for that. But yeah, um, The Sting. Man, I love that movie. Number two. Number two is The Shawshank Redemption. Which I know I mentioned in our uh, book adaptations episode as being one of my favorite movies. It is my second most favorite movie. For a long time, until I saw my favorite movie, it was my favorite movie. Or at least, you know, it, it jostled with the sting and duck, and duck soup uh, for you know, that particular crown. And it's really, really hard to describe exactly why I like that movie, because there there's no single thing in it that is good. It's everything in it that is good. That's what makes it so good. And it's just... Mm. See, the Shawshank Redemption. The Shawshank Redemption is why Morgan Freeman now gets to narrate anything he wants, and everyone agrees that he's good at it, because he is. And he narrated the Shawshank Redemption. I'm pretty sure it's the first thing he narrated. And the guy who plays Andy, whose name I can't remember because I'm so bad with names... He's great, and all the, and everything, and, 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 and the, the old guy who kills himself, and how completely disgustingly hateable the warden is, and the guards, well, some of the guards, mostly uh, Warden Hadley, um, because they are so human most of the time, except for when they're completely monstrous, and that's what makes them so terrifying. They're just... Mm, mm. The, Sh the Shawshank Redemption, everybody. Uh, my, favorite, uh, my favorite Stephen King movie. Easily. <laughs> yeah, it's based off of a short story by Stephen King, too. Kind of like The Green Mile. Yeah, The Green Mile is, too. Bet you didn't know that. He doesn't, he doesn't really put his name on anything that isn't horror, at least movie-wise. So, 
And my number one favorite movie is... Good Night and Good Luck. I love Good Night and Good Luck. I love that movie so much that I own two copies of it on DVD. Because one I had purchased for myself, and the other someone got for me as a gift because they were like, I bet you'll like this movie, Neil. And you know what? I do like that movie, and keep one, and keep them both. One I keep off my deep my bookshelf, off my well bookshelf, my DVD shelf, um, in in its own storage space in case something happens to my first to to my other copy, uh, and I want to still be able to watch the movie. I keep two copies so that I can always so that I will never really not be able to watch it. Or I can lend one to someone, or something along those lines. David Strathern, who plays Edward R. Murrow, is my favorite actor. He's also an actor whose name I can remember, which means a fair bit, especially since he's not... He's not famous, really. He, he's never... He was... He's he the other big role that people might recognize him from is actually a television role. He was the guy uh, who led the group in that sci-fi series Alphas. Um, he also had a bit part in the HBO movie Temple Grandin, which was also really good. And yeah, um, David Strathairn, everybody, check him out. He's really good. He always seems to play very fatherly, good, nice people. Um, um, man, where do you even start with... It's it's shot in black and white. Well, actually, it wasn't shot in black and white. It was shot in color and then color-corrected to black and white. So you can get nice, really good, hard, crisp lines. Um, and it's... One of, if not the most accurate historical movies you're ever likely to see. Because it's uh, it's not a documentary, obviously, but it is an attempted faithful recreation of the uh, of, of the battle in the press between Edward R. Murrow. One of uh, one of our real sort of last great uh, journalists, and yes, you, uh, case can be made for a few others uh, like Cronkite and a few others, but Murrow was definitely of a dying breed. Um, and Senator Joseph R. McCarthy, um, and sort of how the press helped to bring about the more rapid downfall of uh, McCarthyism. Because McCarthy was going to self-destruct eventually. It was only a matter of time. Um, But Murrow helped helped it along faster. And a lot of the speeches that you see in in there are verbatim. Um including the one he gives at the beginning where he calls out Americans for being escapist assholes who like to use media to distract themselves and 
I'm now contributing to the problem. But uh, we how we don't use the vast amounts of information that we have at our disposal to educate ourselves. Instead, we use it to distract ourselves, to entertain, to not to to, to delude ourselves. Not well, not delude ourselves, but to bury our heads in the sand to a certain extent. And I like escapism, but uh, I, I'm not a I'm not someone who says, "Oh, you should always, you know, always be seeking," because there's there is benefit to escapism. Um, to be able to, to being able to get away from everything that you find worrisome in the world for a while, um, instead of just having to sit there and live with it. But there's also something to be said for, um, you know, for education. And good night and good luck makes the case for how media should be used more for education than it is now, and also is pretty damn educational in and of its own self. And yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of watching the movie in my head right now, and the soundtrack is great, and, and and they got a live band to record all of it with this wonderful jazz singer whose name I'd never have actually even bothered to look up, but she's great. For a long time, I thought she was like uh, one of the Steel Sisters who appears on Prairie Home Companion while, for a while because I've never actually seen their faces, but isn't. But, um... Mm. Great movie. Um, great, great movie. Uh, spoiler alert, McCarthy loses in the end. But, uh... Oh, <laughs> yeah. So this is this is actually really great. Um, <laughs> when it was shown to test audiences initially, a rough cut of it was shown to test audiences. One of the main pieces of feedback that George Clooney got, he directed and produced the piece uh, as well as appearing in it. One of the main pieces of feedback that uh, Clooney got was that the editing and the acting from the guy playing McCarthy was not very believable. Uh, that it was kind of wooden and that and then it was really really also massively over the top like where did you get this guy come on um which george said in uh in <laughs> in the commentary tracks and yeah i listened to the commentary track on that movie that's how much i like it i don't usually do that uh to which george got to chuckle and say well actually uh <laughs> we used file footage of joseph mccarthy and uh no one played him he played himself <laughs> So yeah, that's that's great. Um, mm. huh. So yeah, um, go see it. Go see all those movies. Uh, just quick recap: uh, Ocean's Trilogy, Newsies, The Court Jester, Spirited Away, Remember the Titans, Open Range, Duck Soup, The Sting, Shawshank Redemption, and Good Night and Good Luck. Um, there are a bunch of other movies that I could give a, that I could give recommendation to. Maybe at some point I'll write up a blog post in our blog section that has gone woefully unused on our website, uh, saying that uh, you know other movies that I just recommend if you want to ha if you're the sort of person that likes to have movies recommended to you. Next week we will uh, begin our celebration of the winter holidays by talking about favorite winter holiday traditions mostly christmas because that was what most of us grew up with 
And then in two weeks, we have something special and planned that I'm not going to spoil anymore because I have an unwitting accomplice who's going to be in- involved in it. <laughs> but yes, um, look forward to that. And then uh, we that might be it for the, re- for the end of the year. That'll, that'll take us up through Christmas Eve, actually. Or Christmas Eve, Eve the twenty third, and we might just take the next uh, the next couple weeks off to be with families, etc., and then come back to you in the next year. Um, we'll determine that in a bit. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. This has been Neil Cordray with Geek Fanthology, and we will hear you all, or you will hear us next week. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter O and the number 4. Ending theme is March of the Mind by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media, sending us an email, or leaving us a comment. We read all of them. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com workingtheory. The final thought. 2016 is nearly over. Did you get all the achievements yet? <laughs>